Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to For The Record. This is episode 42. My name is Sean Tierney. Thanks for joining me. And also, thanks for joining me, Zach Buggy. How goes it? I live in London, dude. You can't fucking do that voice. That's horrible. Is it cultural appropriation or something? No, 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 fuck the English. But I mean, like, I just just have to hear it. So, you know, it's horrible. Hold on, go on. No, no, most people who live in London don't don't really talk like that, to be fair. They don't. They, they, you know, they talk a lot scarier, or 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 more annoying, one or the other. That is true. That is true. I do. I do love living in London, though. I jest. I jest. Yeah, I'm uh, very jealous. You get so many good gigs. I do, man. I actually get overwhelmed by them. Like, if mm. re- tangent. So, I. I have my ticket for Blink-182 in the story so far in the O2 in October. I missed out on tickets for Turnstile in Brixton Academy in May, but I'm going to try and track one down closer to the show. I have to get my ticket for Wayfarer in the Blackheart in April, and that's a Tuesday night. And since that show has been announced, I haven't bought my ticket yet, but Hot Mulligan have announced they're playing The Garage on the Thursday night. So now I'm going to be going to both of those shows in a week, whereas I would have originally had to fly over to London to go to one of them. As I will be doing for Turnstile. As you will be doing for Turnstile, exactly. And then my boy Ben Foles is playing the Royal Albert Hall in November. And then the same week, they might be giants are playing in the Roundhouse, but they're not just playing in the Roundhouse. They're playing Flood my favourite album of theirs in its entirety. And for anyone who's not that familiar with They Might Be Giants, it's the album with Birdhouse and Your Soul on it. It is the fucking They Might Be Giants album. So, I mean, and yeah, that's... so lucky, man. Yeah, and it's like, like the year hasn't even started yet. Like, there's going to be so... Like, every year since I've lived in London, I have gone to an absurd amount of gigs, yet at the end of the year, I always feel like I didn't go to enough because you know, I don't know. Like, no one has the money to go to every show they want to go to. So like, I end up going to like obscene amounts of gigs. Yet at the end of the year, I'm like opportunity cost. You know, I'm like I didn't go to this and that yeah. and this, and I went to this because it was on the same night as that. Like festivals, I literally get clash nights. I'll get two bands I really want to see play. Ah, shut up! I don't get to see any gigs ever. <laughs> no man, this is my moment. Of I have to go to a different country to go to gigs. Yeah, that's not, that's not quite true, but um, it's kind of. A little bit true. Yeah, it it does it does suck. It it, it it is that thing of like, you know, when I was living at home, it, like bands had announced tours, and I you know you'd never and I became familiar with all the UK venue names from Same. reading his tour posters, looking for a fucking Irish date that wasn't yeah. there. So, and I'd always be like, one day one day so now that i live here and those tours get announced and i look at those tour posters and see all those venues that i always used to see but i know that i can go to the london day that it is not like they're not i put it this way then after five and a half years nearly of living in london the novelty has still not worn off that i can that i get to go to gigs after work and yeah, go home it's absolutely awesome man it's so fucking it cool um, uh, actually that you know what i wasn't going to do this because this happened a couple of weeks ago um it actually happened this week as we record, but as you guys hear it, it'll be a couple of weeks ago. Um, I wasn't going to get into it, but it, it really bugged me. I just, I'm going to, before we get into the main meat of our conversation, um, someone put up a picture, the price list of the merch for Gojira gig. 
Yes, I heard about this. And it was like, oh, it's 40 quid for a T-shirt and it's 80 quid for a hoodie and it's it's blah, 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 blah. And in fairness, the person who put it up was not having a go at Gojira. They were having a go at the, the venues uh, and the venue cuts and all this carry on. And you know what, man? Like the amount of people who went on and were like, oh my God, I can't believe Gojira charging this much for a T-shirt and blah, 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 blah. It's like, yeah, well... I can't believe that you're listening to fucking Gojira's whole back catalogue for $5.99 a month or $9.99 a month. Like, there is a reason bands have to charge this price to get fucking money. If you want your favourite bands to survive, you need to buy those t-shirts. You need to buy that gig because you and your Spotify streams and however many listens you give them a fucking month means absolutely jack shit to most most underground bands. There are some pop bands who make plenty of money off of Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff. But you cannot give out to these bands. They have to pay managers. They have to pay venue costs. They have to pay for the tour, all of those touring costs. There are bands who've cancelled whole tours because the cost of the tour would break them. So don't... Uh, now, and I'm not taking shots at the original poster of this tweet because, like I said, they were mainly commented on the the venue taking their cut. I'm taking shots at those people who are like, oh my God, how dare Gojira charge this? Gojira can charge whatever the fuck they want because there's a reason they need to charge that. And at the end of the day, if you're willing to pay it, that's what it's fucking worth. And I'm sorry if you can't afford it, but if you can't afford it, that's that's one thing. That's an issue we're all going through. I know it's a cost of living crisis, but do you think that those bands aren't in a cost of living crisis as well? They're like struggling like you wouldn't fucking believe and you're bitching because they're trying to they're trying to make some money off of merch. Like it's also it's insane, man. If you want your sorry, I, I swear I, I will I will ramp down. I've always been of the belief that if you want to support your bands, my friends and some of your friends as well, who used, we go out to gigs to, they used to always slag me off. They used to call me Tierney the T-shirt whore because every gig I'd go to, I'd buy a T-shirt. Every gig. Every single fucking gig I used to buy a t-shirt. And part of that was because I like wearing band merch. Part of that was because it's to remember the night. And part of that, and the big part for me, and I've always had this attitude, was to support the fucking bands. Because if you don't support the bands financially, not tweeting about them saying, oh my God, I love this fucking album. Not making a podcast like us two fucking nerds and saying, oh, this is great. No. Fucking put your hand in your pocket and support those bands. So how dare anyone take a shot at Gojira for fucking charging however amount of money? Like, no. Take a shot at the venue. Take a shot at Ticketmaster for fucking pricing these people out of reasonable pricing. It's just disgraceful. So anyone who's taking shots at the bands for charging for merch, get a fucking life. Get over yourselves. Sorry, my apologies. It's just, I, I ramped up there a little bit. Oh, oh, my first thought though is just like, the Gajira you're going to spend 50 euro on a Gajira hoodie oh no the Gajira hoodie's 80 euro that's 30 euro more than I intended on spending I can't afford the, to spend that extra 30 euro or I don't want to spend that extra 30 euro your life is not going to change drastically from not owning a Gajira hoodie you know it, like you don't get to like fucking lambast the band because like because you can't buy a fucking hoodie like, I mean, and like, are you not, and like you said, are you not seeing the problem with venue cuts? Are you not seeing like the cost of living crisis bands are going through? Bands from as talented and like, you know, acclaimed as foxing to bands as like, 
iconic and like revered and classic status as Anthrax have pulled entire tours over the last two years. One of the uh, big four. One of the big four thrash metal bands. Uh, yes, not the most successful one, but still a band of Anthrax's capacity saw nothing but losses to yeah. go on a, a EU tour. So and I mean, just... Do you know what the main reason for the cost of living crisis is? It's the cost of fuel. What do bands need to travel around Europe? Fuel. fuel. Give me fire, give me that which I desire. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? It's like, literally, yeah. Like it's, uh, yeah, I, I'm sorry, you know, we planned this to be kind of a, a short and snappy episode, but just when we were talking about live tates and tours and everything, if you can't afford it, I'm fucking sorry for you. We're all going through the pinch. If you can't afford to buy the t-shirt, you can't afford to buy the record, don't. But you bought the gig ticket, fair play to you. But don't take shots at the bands. Take shots at the people who fucking need them. Like, if a band, I'm robbing this off another podcast who robbed it off of someone else. But um, if the venue gets to take a cut of the merch cost, why don't the band get to take a cut of the bar? It's exactly it. Because no one would be in there buying drinks other than the fact they're there to see that band. Exactly. So Could not be more, I fucking, yeah, 100%. Fuck the venues, fuck Ticketmaster and champion the bands that you like. Fuck that, man. If you want to support the bands, buy something from them. Don't bitch and moan online and whinge about it. You know, Ugh. even just speak, speaking about buying merch for a minute, like, I'm not a big t-shirt buyer. No, I'm like, you're, I'm, a, you're a more vinyl guy, aren't you? I'm a vinyl guy. I buy, like, fucking, I'll buy everything by a band if I like them on vinyl. Yeah. Uh, I'm I unfortunately both. <laughs> you're, you're both. You're, I, have, you're both I have a sexy. real sickness. Yeah. I think fuck I can put like one pin in it so I but like because I like love hardcore so much you know this too I mean uh, like I had a mate ask me recently you know about like because number one a lot of hardcore records because there are, it's smaller bands and smaller labels they don't have like EU distribution or UK distribution worked out for every release so they only come from America so you've got to pay extra prices to get them imported yada 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 mm -hmm. and hardcore music is known to be brief and short and so when you if you when you boil down the extra money you're paying for less time because like you could buy like a UK band's album for like 18 pound and it's 45 minutes long, or you could buy like a hardcore band from the US's album and it's like 16 minutes and it's like 30 pound. And at least because you have to pay customs and yeah. And a, and a buddy of mine asked me like, Oh, do you not like, do you not think you're kind of getting gypped? Like, you know, you're, you're getting like, like, I mean, you're, you're kind of getting like less music for, and I kind of just said, no, I said, because, and then another friend chimed in kind of agreeing with me that, you know, if I like the project, no matter what the length is, no matter, like, like I spent like nearly 30 pound on the tsunami compilation and it's like, mm. a, but because I love the content and I will re-listen to that shit again and again and again and again, like I don't factor in like lengths of albums and shit. Like I, when I'm no. in, price of anything and i factor I'm in my love for the band exactly and, and i my, mean my want for the band to succeed and my want yes. for the band to be able to tour and this is my point i saw a comment the other day as you know i'm big i'm big on this band zulu and they're about to drop their debut full length in a few i think it'll be out by the time this episode's out and it'll be one of the episodes it'll be one of the very next episodes we put out unless um, i'm unless i'm completely mistaken i think the day that this episode comes out because as we said we're kind of we're getting ahead of ourselves with the scheduling and stuff is the day the zulu album gets released i think 
Yeah. So, anyway, you're going to hear us talk in depth about Zulu. Don't you fucking worry. So I'm, I have the compilation with their two EPs on it, which I love and I spin all the time and I'm really excited for this album. And that compilation is like 16 minutes. And I saw a comment on YouTube uh, where someone had uploaded it like a video, like to listen to the full compilation. And there was a comment because I, because I love Zulu so much that I can't just listen to them on my vinyl. When I'm at work, I want to listen to them. Like, you can and, listen to them on the go as well. Like. Yeah. So I put on YouTube. I just clicked into YouTube on the computer and I put on the compilation. And I saw a comment. And like Zulu is like hardcore power violence, really brief, really intense. And they use a lot of samples, like uh, in interludes and shit. And it's a real cool aesthetic and atmosphere it creates. And I saw a comment from someone go, 16 minutes uh, with loads of interludes and minute long songs. And they want, and they, and they want 35 pound uh ship it they want 35 pounds to buy uh oh they can fuck themselves i am not supporting this band and someone commented and was like damn dude support the band and he was like no way can get uh the same type of music uh but way longer and way cheaper elsewhere and then someone else commented and they were like bro you are just missing the point and it was like i don't exactly. give a fuck about other bands on their albums there i like zulu and i want to support zulu and if they want to move their album to fans outside of the US. It costs a little bit more. And I want to be like, there's that extra money, boys. Get yourself some EU distribution. Because how does a band get EU and UK distribution? By people buying the fucking first record that comes out. So yeah. by supporting Flatspot, buying this, by buying the album when it comes out, paying that bit of extra money, supporting that, it, it increases their fucking wealth. It sells more records. It could lead to them. People are like, why can't they get more distribution? Maybe buy the record and you'll help them get better distribution. You know what I mean? They'll uh, get. I think I'm just going to give them a quick shout out if I can, if I'm right. There is someone in Europe fucking selling that record. Yes. Uh, the wonderful, brilliant distro in um Germany, Evil Greed. Evil Greed are 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 stocking and selling that Zulu record. So if you want to get involved with Zulu what, fucking but what, but what I'm saying is uh, when I say distribution, I mean label wise. Like Oh I know, yeah, but I'm just saying yes. if you want to get a hold of it from Europe. Yeah, yeah. But it's at but it's still gonna be at like slightly inflated price, like compared to like well I mean it's not too bad. How much is it? 25 25 euro oh that's really good yeah yeah even greater the shit man they're they're kind of my my provider of choice but anyway we've gotten slightly off topic because we've got an album to get to this week but just to say if you want your bands to survive as zach was saying no matter where the fuck they're from if you have to pay a few extra quid for shipping do your best for the bands because you never know when they're just gonna fucking pack it in because they can't afford it anymore because just because you're going through a living cost of living crisis so are these fucking bands, you know what I mean? Anyway. And that, right, that is one thing I will say, and it's not even just to do cost of living, it's to do with bands breaking up for other reasons and shit. But without sounding like an extremist, if you can afford a concert ticket to go see a band that you're a fan of, it isn't a case of like, oh man, support that band, even though that is it is that part of that. But my point is, uh, without being hyperbolic every single time a band plays the nearest town or city to you it could be the last time they ever play 100% that close to you ever there are gigs I've gone to 
that I went, I've seen a band and then a couple of months later they've been playing again and I've been like, ah, I saw them a few months ago and then the tickets come by me and I've been like, oh, fuck it, go on, I'll go see them again, I suppose. And then a year later they've broken up out of nowhere and I'm like, thank fuck I went to see them twice that summer. Like, you know, I check, like, I'm so like, when back, like, I've had it happen a few times in the last couple of years now that I'm like, oh, I saw them last year and they'll probably be back next summer. I'll, I'll go see them, I'll leave that off this time. And then they break up or something tragic happens or whatever the fuck. So, within reason, every time a band plays now, whether I've seen them or I haven't seen them, I, like, go, man, go see them. Like, Absolutely. don't miss out. Support live music, support the bands, all of that shit. And we're both broke as fuck living in a fucking house living crisis. So, like, Absolutely. you know, it, within reason, you can support your bands. We're not saying literally go broke. Like, no. just. Just fucking, like, if you really like a record, like, that's the thing with me as well. I know we're going on, but I'm passionate about this. I just want to say Same. that, like, if I find, like, I love, like, I know I'm, th these last year or two, I've gone so deep on hardcore. Like, love it. It's just one of the <laughs> best genres out there at the moment. I can't get enough it's of the it. the best. It's the best, man. I'm obsessed. And Same. when I hear, when I hear a band... And I'm like, whoa, oh, I like this. I look, I look up a video on YouTube. I'll be like, wow, I like this. I'll listen to like two or three more songs. I'll download the album on Spotify. I'll go head to work the next day. I'll listen to that record. Listen to it again at work. Be like, fuck, do they have any other records? Oh, they do. They have one other album that came before this. Let me listen to this. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. And if, it, if more than two days goes by and I've given those albums more than like two listens each, I'm like, what? I need to buy these on vinyl. I need to give these lads money for these works. I need to support them. I need to thank them. This is how I do it. I buy these on vinyl. I need these in my collection because I want to listen to these more and more. And Spotify is not the place to repeat listen to an album. It's on fucking vinyl. <laughs> so, so yeah, that, no, I'm, with you. I'm with you, dude. I'm, I'm with you 100%. And yeah, it, I was, I swear to God, I was planning on doing it and then I was planning on not doing it because I was afraid I'd get too worked up. <laughs> but you know, it's worth saying it. I'm, it's something I'm passionate about. It's something I fucking fully believe in. But anyway, right. As you will have seen from the title of this episode, we are going to be covering the record Homicidal Ecstasy by Sanguasugabog. Uh, death metal from this band. Um, yeah, this band have garnered qu quite a little bit of hype, you know. Um, they're kind of, you know, I see the name bandied about a lot. Um, I must admit uh, that when you suggested this, I was worried that I wouldn't have much to contribute because, and this kind of leads into a larger discussion, debt metal as a whole in its state right now I don't really care about anymore. And that actually extends even further. Not only like extreme metal am I kind of gone off. Just funny, you, you mentioned it like two minutes ago. It's because of hardcore. I've gone off metal a little bit and that has drifted out into the extremes as well. I've gone off black metal and I've gone off death metal and I don't fully understand why these bands are getting the hype and stuff. Like I did, I was big into death metal when I was younger. Um, I still hold up a couple of death metal records, um, mainly by like Cannibal Corpse. I don't know if there's much else I'm mad on, you know? Decapitated. Um, decapitated. Early decapitated. Oh, oh, decapitated, man. I just saw decapitated actually. Decapitated are fucking absolutely brilliant. Um, yeah, I, debt metal as a whole, and particularly right now, as we sit here in 2023, I need something that is 
revolutionary. I need something that's fucking mind blowing. I need something that's undeniable to really get me kind of worked up for death metal uh, and whisper it metal as a whole. I, I'm at the moment, I think metal is in a bit of a funny place, but that's probably an even larger discussion. Um, you, on the other hand, are kind of a bit of a death metal lifer, aren't you? Yeah, I, as much as I love hardcore, like I fucking love hardcore and it really has become one of my favourite genres, but I, with, with the, like I wouldn't listen to a lot of like, me, like thrash metal or mainstream metal anymore, mm. but my, like ever since I was a kid really, but my love for death metal and black metal has like not only endured but like expanded as the years have gone on. I feel like I'm one of the rare people. I'm one, and I don't. I'm not saying this is a good or bad thing, but I feel like I'm in the smaller minority where like my love for death metal has increased as I've gotten older. Where a lot of my mates kind of like really loved it when we were in our mid to late teens, and then by like twenties they were like whatever. Whereas like I've only like I feel like I've learned. I've I'm able to appreciate it more now. Because I like so much music, and I like, I listen. I've listened as my as I've gotten older. I obviously my taste has expanded, so I, I listen to more genres. And I think listening to more stuff and li different, uh, listening to a broader variety of music has made me appreciate death metal more and how it's put together. And mm -hmm. and I and it, yeah. So I mean, there there is some death metal albums that like I will just love for life. Like um, artists, like I love early Cannibal Corpse, love Necrophagist, I love Cryptopsy. And, and like, I see that I stuff, the, the technical death metal stuff, like it always left me very cold. I must oh, say no, I was, I, I was never into that stuff really. See, I love that shit. And then yeah, that shit, yeah. and then that became a precursor to like me loving, like, you know, like I talked about ad nauseum from 2021, like yeah. that. And that's, like, that's the most absurdly technical, like avant-garde almost level death metal I've ever heard. And I, and I love that shit. And I love how bands like Gorguts and Cryptopsy, like and my Necrophagus, my love for that has brought me to a place where I can love bands like Ad Nauseum, where it's really weird and really fucking complex and almost impenetrable and really, like I said, avant-garde and experimental, but still rooted in death metal. And then... I still love, like, I mean, like, over Christmas, like, I mean, at work, we got, like, Amazon vouchers, and I used my Amazon voucher to buy Cannibal Corpse the Bleeding on vinyl, mm -hmm. and I, I remember, like, walking to school when I was, like, fucking 15, 16, like, walking to secondary school, mm -hmm. and I'd be listening to the Bleeding, and I just loved that shit, and, like, and I loved it because, you know, it was heavy and intense and scary and fucking, uh, you know, violent and gory and edgy and that's why i loved it and now i'm 30 and i have it on vinyl i was listening to it last weekend and i love it because of the riffs and the mm. bass tone and the grooves and chris barnes snarling vocal like you know i appreciate it for totally different reasons but i still yeah. fuck love the album man yeah and i think some of the the old school death metal stuff I do still have a real fondness for like early Cannibal Corpse. I love the Wretched Spawn. That is one of my fucking favorite records by uh, in a death metal artist. I just love the groove that Cannibal Corpse added in. It was fucking brilliant. Um, obviously, obviously, Alters of Madness by Marbert Angel is just an absolute stunner. 
like a fucking incredible record. I love um, Slowly We Rat as well by Obituary. Do you know that fucking old school, stampy, groovy death metal? Um, but I I really, I'm going to hold my hands up and say that a lot of this new school of death metal that we're kind of in at the moment, it's just not really been for me. And Sanga Sugabag are one of this new school who are really emerging from the crap like and their name is bandied about a lot, obviously, because it's quite a, you know, it's a unique name, I guess, you know. Um, and the guy who was in the band, Cameron Boggs, who was given it the Bog part of its name, has now left. Um, so the members now are Cody Davidson on drums, Devin Swank on vocals, Sed Davis on bass and guitars, and Drew Arnold on bass. Um, I'm just going to go straight in. Uh, this is very much your suggestion, Mr. Buggy. So I'm going to hand to you for some of your overall thoughts on this record, Homicidal Ecstasy by Sanguis Sugabag. Well, like yourself, I wasn't actually too familiar with the band mm. uh, other than that I'd seen the name in a lot of places. I think when their first album, Tortured Hole, came out in 2021, mm-hmm. I saw like the name pop up on a load of YouTube, like live kind of uploaders that I follow and shit like in... They and I, and I just saw it kind of getting reviewed quite a bit, and I just it, you know it just like you said the name kept standing out and being bandied about, and I never actually got around to listening to them or looking them up, but I I figured by the name and, and shit that they, and by the artwork like what they would sound like. <laughs> you had an idea of what what kind of ballpark it was in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, Sangu Sugabog does exactly what it says on the tin. <laughs> you know what I mean? So Absolutely. I mean, it, it's the leech for. It, no, it's the Latin for leech. Yeah, or bloodsucker. Or bloodsucker yeah. and bog as in toilet. As in toilet. <laughs> yeah, so leech toilet yeah. or bloodsucker toilet. And yeah, so I literally just decided when this second record came out at the start. So I was looking for something for us to review. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed... Uh, homicidal ecstasy and I went oh did this come out last year did I miss this and then I saw that it could just come out I was like fuck I've never actually listened to this band let me check it out now before I go into my thoughts on the album what I will say is in my teenage years I was fucking obsessed with deathcore like I loved deathcore suicide silence is blood runs black a thousand times repent all my shit right right there with you my friend despised icon give me pig squeals and breakdowns and cowboy Oh man, loved Job for a Cowboy, loved them. Speaking of technical death metal, like Sun Eater I have on vinyl, how they went from a class deathcore band to a tech death band still just amazes me, man. I'm going to be such a dick and say that my favourite release of theirs is still the EP. I just fucking love it. (laughs) My favourite release of theirs is Sun Eater, their fourth album, very quickly followed by the Doom EP. Yeah, (laughs) I love the Doom EP, man. It's just so good. Entombment of a Machine is still a fucking banger. Like, and Knee oh, Deep, man. Oh. oh, Knee Deep, man. Oh, oh. That, that, unreal. So, unreal. loved Deathcore. I almost was more into Deathcore. I was into Deathcore before I was into Hardcore. That was Same. almost more... I went, yeah, I think a lot of our generation were introduced because we were metalheads. Well, you see, it was, it was MySpace. It was the MySpace generation that we grew up on and Job for a Cowboy and a lot of Deathcore bands blew the fuck up like on MySpace so we all got involved in them then yeah and I, and I saw so yeah I think the first music I listened to with breakdowns was actually deathcore and I kind of fo- I found hard I think I went deathcore metalcore hardcore I think I went the complete backwards way in I think I might have done the same 
Because after Deathcore, I got into Day to Remember and the Devil Wears Prada and yeah. all that. Then I started listening to like Your Demise. Yeah. And that, and, that, and that opened me to UK hardcore. Then Architects and Your Demise was kind of my way into real hardcore then. And then I found the American shit. So yeah, I completely went, I went the back way in to find hardcore, but better late than never. But my point is that because I love Deathcore so much as a teen, I think that that ended up being a reason why I've retained such a love for death metal. Mm -hmm. And I've discovered a complete love for hardcore because I love those genres mashed up. But then I also really love them when they're split apart. I don't listen to as much deathcore anymore. I really don't have any interest in modern deathcore like Lorna Shore or anything. No. But I think but I think my love for hardcore definitely stems from my love of deathcore as a teen and I think my love for death metal stems from my love of deathcore as a teen. Mm -hmm. So Sanguis Sugabog to me feels like deathcore without the hardcore elements for the most part. It brings it back but it's it's not slam like fucking which is like almost a precursor to deathcore or linked to deathcore i don't hear that but it it sounds like death metal brutal trudging old school death metal played by hardcore lads mm. that's the vibe i get from it from the tone of the riffs to the fucking hollowed out snare, the, the 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 rhythmic switches from the actual drumming to major blasting, the even the calculation of it, it it doesn't feel like even though it has similarities to like can, early Cannibal Corpse and stuff, it doesn't have those grooving dun -dun 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 that are really rooted in metal. It's very much dissonant chugging you know that um that morbid angel style of ginch, 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 like that really kind of off kilter like jagged yes really deep bassy distorted down tuned riffing that's there's a lot of that on here i think that kind it's, of yeah it's all death metal but like not the groove laden cannibal corpse mm. style it's it is it's that morbid angel kind of but 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 it, but then it's it's blurred with almost like a hardcore essence of chugging of like, mm -hmm. but it never feels like jin, 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 but it's far slower and yeah. without even doom territory. So it is, it feels like old school death metal played by new school hardcore lads. Yeah, I can, I can hear that. Um, I even, think even the fact that, sorry to cut you off, but even the fact that track two face ripped off features Aaron Hurd, the vocalist from Jesus, Jesus Peace, Peace, who are an incredibly heavy hardcore band. Mm. So the fact that he is featuring on the Sangre Sugabog album and his vocals fit really naturally on the track, to me is a testament to that. This is like, this is brutal death metal played by hardcore lads, almost for the hardcore scene. And I think that is why there is such a big hype following around them because mm. I think the death metal fans really like them because it's real heavy, violent and old school. It's really like eschewing the fucking super tech death or avant-garde of bands like Ad Nauseum. This is bringing death metal back to its rooted, hate-filled sound. Even the lyrics 
are utterly absurd, like mm-hmm. Chris Barnes' era cannibal corpse, like violent, obsessive, disgusting, despicable, completely over the top maximalization, like on purpose. This is this is complete revival worship of that old death metal. But like I said, it's played with a hardcore energy by lads who sound like they have hardcore chops and I think they're embraced by the hardcore scene. Like I said, they're tight with Jesus Peace, Aaron Hurd's on the on, a, on the album and they seem when you watch live shows, there's like death metal a lot of the time is like shoulders and head banging and mm. their shows look more akin to hardcore shows. So I think they've they've managed to sweep up the hardcore wave of like hype and passion for modern heavy bands, even though they've kept their sound completely rooted in death metal without actually bringing in a deathcore vibe or they've stayed in their lane, but have been embraced by the other scene. That's what my interpretation is to why there's such a following around them. I can hear that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think actually now that you've touched on the, the lyrics and stuff and the despicable nature of the lyrics, it is worth bringing up that as always, as soon as anyone gets any bit of traction, the metal community and particularly the metal Twitter community loves to try and tear them down. They've accused the band of being rape apologists and all of this fucking stuff. And that I think uh, Sanga Sugabag have made... Um, a conscious effort to tone down the lyrics from the first record to this. And the guy has been accused of putting it all in his other side project, which is apparently like just total rape fantasy and all this stuff. And I mean, if we're coming to the point where you're cancelling death metal bands for their lyrics, you just don't understand death metal. Death metal is supposed to be the most stupid out there. Death metal is not real. This is not their real feelings. This is not like that's not what death metal is. Like death, death metal, metal is supposed to fucking push the envelope and be fucking obnoxious and stupid and gross. And yes, it contains lyrics that I don't like. I don't agree with. That's the fucking point. So don't be don't be trying to fucking bite the head off of something just when they're starting to put the head above water. Like ugh. Let me just say this: one of my favorite films of last year. What a big success story that was going doing the rounds on the internet. Terrifier 2, mm-hmm. this Terrifier, B-movie ho- grindhouse horror revival. I loved the first one. The second one took was delayed for like five years. Like it took like six years to make it. Finally came out, gave it a theatrical release. And the movie was made on a budget of like three, four hundred grand, mm-hmm. made over 10 million. So it was like a total success story. He's made enough money to make two more. So he wants to make like a, a terrifier series of movies. So he, so like he wants to make a third and a fourth one and round out the series. These movies are absurdly violent, like so graphic, all practical effects. The movie was like super well received, mm. great reviews. Um, I've watched it twice. It's fucking great. There are some scenes in it that are absolutely horrific. Like, like the dude who wrote and directed it is like a, he's a special effects guy as well so like he edits writes directs produces and does all the special effects so he's real like care like he puts a load of effort into it so the violence in this movie these movies are meant to go super hard yeah and it's meant to be so over the top and gross out and and it made 10 million and so guess what lo- guess what that violence and all those violent scenes they didn't actually happen they're, no, they're not real and they're it's fake to- yeah and you know what I've watched that movie twice and if you asked me to watch one 
if you ask me to watch one of the many, 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 many wounds and murders that are inflicted by the killer in that movie, on if you ask me to watch one clip of someone that happening, someone in real life, I'd be like, "Are you fucking joking? What the fuck is wrong with you?" Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, but it, but it's fiction. It's cinema, and in that context, if you enjoy certain genres, you can be like, "Oh, Jesus fucking Christ!" And that's what like when I listen to Tomb of the Mutilated by Cannibal Corpse, which I own on vinyl, and I read the lyrics, like I'm loving the grooving riffs of the fuck. Yeah line the blast beats i love chris barnes deep fucking horrible vocal and i'm literally reading the lyrics and i'm like jesus christ what the fuck but that's the point that's, that's the point it's meant to be gross and disgusting it b movie like grindhouse gore fest torture porn horror death metal is the musical equivalent to that and i don't know how people still are getting this shit like it makes no sense like the opening track on this Sangu Sugabog album, Homicidal Ecstasy, <clears throat> is called Black Market Vasectomy. Mm-hmm. And the whole song is about him trying to give himself a vasectomy and ends up cutting off his own cock and has a gaping hole and literally uses the words testes and cock multiple times. Like, this man is not being serious he's not devin, actually cutting off his own cock like devin swank is being very like facetious here and over the top like when you watch terrifier or terrifier 2 and there are scenes mm. when man's cutting people's fucking eyes out and caving their heads in like you're not like damien leone who wrote and directed this and the actor who's playing that character act the clown they're sick murdering monsters who want to do this in real life no they just think it makes good entertainment, which it does. Otherwise, it wouldn't have made 10 fucking million. And Sangu Sugabog wouldn't be signed to Century Media Records if people weren't loving the super absurdly trudging, low, heavy music with guttural, horrible vocals and absurd, obscene lyrics that a lot of bands have kind of shied away from in later years and is, is reminding people of when death metal in the early 90s with bands like Cannibal Corpse was making, and Carcass was making people go, oh, fucking hell. I remember being a teenager and literally the student school gave me a lend of my first Carcass record went, I like he was like Ukrainian or Latvian and he just said I like metal that is disgusting <laughs> and, and he meant like full on lyrically like yeah. he likes gory fucking songs and you know what Sangu Sugabog are delivering on that tenfold here I like I mentioned earlier Face Ripped Off the tune with Aaron, Aaron Heard from I keep nearly calling him Amber Heard Aaron Heard from it's Jesus not Pearl. <laughs> no 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 uh, she'll sue but, us that song, man, Face Ripped Off, is just this horrible, hardcore adjacent, trudging, death metal, sludge, monster, bastard, bitch, baby. And it's literally fucking a song about cutting someone's face off. The whole song is about cutting someone's face off. And you know what? And that's what I like about like Sangu Sugabog. The song's called Face Ripped Off. Yeah. The song's cutting someone's face off. And you know what? I want it to be heavy, nasty, and have some blasting. And you know what? The song's heavy, nasty, and has some blasting. This album, like I said, is a proper Sangu Sugabog. Does exactly what it says on the tin. Yeah. yeah. I think that, look, I just have to say that 
when I listened to this first, I was like, ah, Jesus fucking Christ, this absolute stink. But then I remembered how used I enjoyed death metal before. I enjoyed death metal before when I took my serious hat off and I sat down and I enjoyed the crack and the stupidity and the over-the-top silly bollocksing of death metal. When you like... When you sit down and try and analyze what's going on here, I'm a bit like, eh. But when I just sat down and listened to it and I had a bit of crack with it, I started to enjoy it a bit more. I do not like the vocals. I just don't like them. That's a personal taste thing. I think they're very much, obviously they're one note. It's very like clobbering. That fucking snare is fucking stupid. I it love sh- it. It should not sound like that. It I is love that dumb. snare. It is dumb. What I do like, though, is the way when the grooves hit, they fucking hit. And the overall heaviness, for heavy's sake, which I love sometimes, is beyond stupid. It is so heavy. Now, the one big, the biggest issue with this is, as much as I do, I honestly, I do enjoy listening to this for the most of its 45 minutes. At the end of the record, I think by the time um, Pro- Proclamation of the Frail comes around, this starts to blend into this kind of thick, tarry mush of and riffs and drums for me. There's very I see the appeal but there's very little distinguishing factors between some of the songs for me I do get what they're going for with this kind of raw dirty sound I like the fact that it's not super pristine and polished like most of the modern decor stuff I actually like that raw stuff but it does only sound a couple of steps above amateur recording ish you know what I mean it's like (laughs) you mentioned you mentioned face ripped off the bass tone at the start of that song is just laughably heavy. Like, it's just, it could not be more down-tuned or distorted. But do you not the, love, do you the, not love, sorry, go on. The grinding stomp of it, like, just works so well for what, what made, this is. What made me, like, I actually was, the first time I listened to this was on the bus home from work, and I was loving it so far. But what actually made me burst out laughing in, in a good way, because I actually love the sound of the snare on this. But in the middle of Pissed, oh, after geez. like two, two minutes of this trudging slow thing, it just starts going, bah, 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 yeah. and that last thing goes on for like a minute. And, it's, and it doesn't fit or anything. So I know what you mean with the amateur, but it almost sounds, it's purposefully grindy. Like oh, that definitely. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. That raw sound is on purpose. Definitely. Because like this was mixed by Kurt Ballou, like. Yes. And so that like, midsection yeah. on, but that's the thing as well. That midsection on Pissed shouldn't work but it does because like you hear it and it goes on for like a full fucking it's so fucking smashed together I really like that head down riffing at the end of Pissed is fucking great that's great testicular rot as well like that riff storm that opens it it's fucking great great 
the you mentioned as well that the vocals can be a little one note. Yeah. The, yeah, I I get what you're saying. I it's funny because I've been on such a cannibal corpse kick recently mm. and like last week I was listening to Tomb of the Mutilated bleeding on vinyl and now I love the bleeding but the bleeding is when Chris Barnes changed his vocal style to be a bit more clear you can actually make out the lyrics quite easily there's like a bit of high screaming it's basically the vocal style that he would take into Six Feet Under and ruin his career with because he yeah. would just get worse and worse at it as the album on but on the bleeding it sounds awesome but the album before that Tomb of the Mutilated that's really the most indecipherable one note incoherent it's literally that like, you cannot make out a word without the lyrics and I love <laughs> that vocal. So, I fucking the, the butcher that barked too many mutilated. I fucking love it. So as soon as I listened to Sangry Sugabog once, as soon as I heard the <laughs> You were like, yeah. I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, oh, Chris early Chris Barnes territory. Uh, this is my shit. I know this. And I even like pulled out the lyrics and I was like, yeah, I can I can understand what he's saying right away because I'm already on cannibal corpse mode. Like so yeah. You know what? Though, on I do. Lesson in Savagery, there, there's you an addition of. Shut up! Shut up! You, I was just about to say, I was bringing this to a lesson in Savagery. You stole my bit. With you stole shriek, my bit with the shriek vocals as well as the gutter. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's yes. actually it's a nice addition to the sound, you know. And I, but and I was going to say that breaks the one note pace. You stole my fucking <laughs> point, you break. I was doing a build up, Tierney. I was literally about to say a fucking a lesson in savagery has. I'm not sure if it's him doing two vocal takes or another member doing backing vocals, but that shrieked offsetting that changes it up a bit. It Fuck does. you, you. It does a little bit. Edit that. Edit that into just me making the point somehow. No. Okay. Nice one. No. We're <laughs> moving on. It in. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I do like that breakdown. The heavy section in the in the middle of lesson savagery is cool. Uh, it's a little bit less repetitive. Like. I think really, that's a standout track. Um, yeah, that and skin cushion. I think the upping of the pace on skin cushion works really yeah. well. Um, definitely one of the stronger tracks for me. Um, on narcissistic in narcissistic incisions, my patience is definitely wearing thin a little bit. Um, I'm becoming a little. I've been beaten into kind of a numb <laughs> submission at this stage, and there just isn't enough variation even though they do throw in a kind of a like a black metal riff almost in the middle which is quite cool um and i do think they might have been aware that not everyone can just withstand non-stop grinding death metal so this song does aim to switch things up a little bit but i feel like it's that that a brief respite from that kind of mushy tarry feeling i was describing but like i mean have you any other particular highlights you'd like to point out because you know I think I've got well, I was most say, of my points, to be honest. I was going to say, I actually see exactly where you're coming from, because I really I really like uh, the penultimate track, Necrosexual Deviant. That was the first song I actually heard by the band, mm. and I really, really dig that tune. But what I will say is, I thought this listening to the record... I know, okay. I thought, for, when I for, just before I listened to the record, I thought, wow, 45 minutes for what I know, from what I know of them, that seems relatively long for an album of this style. Put on the album. Next thing I notice is that I'm about halfway through the record and 
you know, I, I'm I'm astute enough of a listener nowadays that I can tell when a song without looking at the lengths if a song is brief, especially in death metal. So I'm like, like by the time I got like halfway through the track list, I thought some of these tracks were short, some of these tracks were relatively short, and when you actually pull up the album, I'm looking at it now, like the first two tracks are less than three minutes. Mm. The, the third track is just over three minutes. Track five is a minute and a half. So, but then the second leg of the album, you're talking four and a half, 4.41, five, That's 4.15. Mortal, mortal admonishment, yeah. Five, there's, yeah. There's no need for that to be five minutes. I think... The last, that, that's uh, almost, the weak point for me. The second half of the, I'll put it this way, the first half of the album, half the tracks are under three minutes mm. and one of the tracks is less than two minutes. The second side of the album, no track is under four minutes with two of those tracks reaching five, which it, it's also, it's a bit bottom heavy. Mm. With, I, I think it does add to that kind of dragging sensation a little bit. Yes. I, so I get what you mean there. It, 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 it and I, maybe that's what they were going for because their first album is a bit tighter and shorter. But I, I and I get that interest can wane. I, I, I still enjoy it because I, I could, I, I signed up for the mission. I knew it was going to be forty-five minutes and a do you enjoy? In. Do you enjoy this literally the whole way through? Yeah, you, you. you. I enjoy. I yes, but my, okay. I have the most crack in the first half. Definitely. Yeah. Like the first half is good crack. It's like fucking yeah. big and stupid. And to kind of, you know, bring on that that movie metaphor a little bit. It's like most movies starring my favorite baby, Dwayne The Rock Johnson. They start off great. They're full of laughs. But by the end of it, you're like, there's no real point to this anymore, is there? And like, you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's like, like, I do enjoy this, kind of. But it's almost like too like meat headed or something for me to like think about coming back to it. I have a good time while it's on, but I kind of as soon as it's finished, I'm like I don't really think about it, you know. Whereas like the Paramore album, which I was similarly kind of a little disappointed in, but also really enjoyed. I've been thinking about it constantly. Like I can't wait to get the record, like the the Paramore record, and put it on and read the liner notes and give it a listen through on vinyl and stuff, you know. So like. Whereas this, now I, I'm. This is just personal preference. That's all it is, you know. Um, this just is not my shit at the moment. Um, it's not. It's not what I'm into at the moment. And forty-five minutes of it is definitely too long for me. Do you know what I think? I think it's a perfect storm for me because if I'd heard this maybe four or five years ago, I would have probably maybe been like, nah, nah. but because I'm like, I'm all about hardcore now. And I really kind of really fall in love for my extreme metal and my death metal and black metal again. And I for I recently was re on a big annotations of an autopsy kick. I saw them live back in like 2018 in the New Cross Inn. That was great crack. And that put me back on them. So then I just had a thing the other day at work, like a few weeks ago. I don't know, something popped up about them and I just thought, I have the time and I listened to the whole discography and it doesn't take that long, but I used to love those early sludge core fucking tunes. And I, and it just reminded me of all the filthy lyrics and everything. And I was just laughing away. I was like, this shit was so despicable and disgusting and over the top. And it was great crack. And I was thinking, you don't really see bands doing those lyrics anymore, that style as much. And it probably just wouldn't be as accepted now. And then 
I ended up acquiring Tomb of the Mutilated and the Bleeding by Cannibal Corpse and Vinyl, which are my two favorite Cannibal Corpse albums. And I've been spinning them a lot recently, reading the lyrics, laughing away, enjoying the stupidity, the heaviness, the gory horribleness of it. Reading the lyrics like, Jesus Christ, you don't imagine those lyrics back then. You couldn't have lyrics like that now. And, and then I hear Sangu Sugabog and I like, hear those low one note vocals. And I read those lyrics and I'm like, fuck, this takes me back. This yeah. is like, this is like completely scratching that cannibal corpse to annotations, fucking all of that shit that's ranges in between that I've loved. This is stupid, fucking gory, dumb, meat-headed, fucking Saint Anger snare, fucking singer, <laughs> vocalist who looks like he ate their former vocalist. Like he fucking, he's a monster of a beast of a muscly man. And it, it, and you know what? Underneath the gore, the indecipherable fucking logo, the horrific blast beat and snare, the trudging riffs, the utter stupidity of it all. <laughs> The gory, depraved nature of it. You know what? It's all gas crack. It's mad crack. And I really... I agree for 30 minutes. For 30, yes. You know what I mean? I I I definitely agree. Yeah, I think think 45 minutes, I think the album could have done with being 35 minutes. Uh, uh, A bit more snappy, a bit more in and out. Maybe have one or two long tunes at the end, but it didn't need all that bottom heavy tunes. And I think the pace is too quick at the beginning to then really switch to a slower pace for the second half of the album. But when the album is on, it is on. Even the first like the first five track run of like Black Market Vasectomy, Interface Ripped Off with Aaron Hurd, which is savage, into pissed, testicular mm-hmm. rot, and then hungry for your insides. Mm-hmm. That five track run is savage and, and it's- skin cushion. And skin cushion, then sorry, Six. yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then to, and then you get to a lesson in savagery with those with the vocal change ups, mm. and so like for the most part, like we said, it read really, it kind of runs. Out, it's not that it runs out of steam, but it belabors its point by the end. Absolutely, and I, yeah, and I think it could have done with a little bit of trimming, a bit more just concise, but for the most part, it succeeds in being this, like really viciously heavy without feeling overproduced or try hard it it just feels nasty and naturally disgusting and just fucking devoid of logic or reason or much melody or groove for the most part it's just heaving heavy disgusting and self-aware and because it's self-aware it can be fun it's not one of these things where it's like trying too hard and it just sounds impenetrable. It It's very, and that's why I say it feels like this type of old school death metal revival played by lads with hardcore heads and understandings of just tone and heft. And, it, and I think that's why it's been so embraced by the hardcore community and it has a big fan base. People are really just loving this self-aware nod to old school gory absurdly heavy death metal played with a with a nod and a wink and i read and when it's on it's on it's fucking mad crack it's not going to change the world it it, it's very much of its hype within the death metal sphere Mm -hmm. and anyone not familiar with this world will just be like what is this dreck but for the ones who know the Sangu Sugabog record is fucking fun above all else. Absolutely. And that's about the sun. 
It is. That's about the size of it. And you know, there's there's nothing wrong with a Dwayne The Rock Johnson movie. And there's nothing wrong with a fucking Sangusugabag death metal record. That's there's nothing wrong with a gore fest slap B movie fucking just a, a night to go, ah, oh, Jesus, yeah. at the cinema. That's exactly. what Sangus give you in metal form. They give you those Absolutely. heavy grips, but rather than fucking songs about Vikings or over the t- over exerted emotion, it's just songs to make you go, oh, Jesus, yeah. fuck that riff. Oh, that lyric. Ugh. Yeah. And and sometimes we all need a bit of uh, in our metal in our definitely. Um yeah, so like I think you like this a bit more than I do. Um, but I do enjoy it. Like I said, I enjoy fucking two thirds of it. Like 30 minutes out of the 45, great. I do run out of I'm a bit fatigued by the end of it, but there's moments of real quality in there, some great riffing, great drumming. The bass band is very, very good. Um, yeah, look, this is a fucking modern, stupid, meat-headed death metal record with some great moments of musical technicality and I think if you can kind of take your leave your brain at the door a little bit and just enjoy it for what it is because they're not taking it too seriously so why the fuck should you you know what I mean why you, like yeah, why are you getting worked up bro why, why are you, you getting, getting worked up about it you know just just enjoy it for what it is it's just a slab of fucking sludging death metal with gross lyrics and fucking gruesome riffing and like a really and nasty and production Saint Ang- And St. Anger Snare. And the St. Anger Snare. <laughs> buy the ticket. Sangu Sugabog. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. No. San- okay. Sangu Sugabog does exactly what it says in the tin. Homicidal ecstasy. Buy the ticket. Take the ride. And that's about the size of it, lads. And that is the size of it. And you know, I think it's good every now and then to just fucking showcase something that isn't too worthy or fucking like, oh, we have to really get in our Musos hat. No, we can actually just say straight up, this is fucking fun. This is good crack. If you're in on the joke, what you said there about the nod and the wink, that's a very important aspect of this record. That nod and the wink makes this bearable because if they were playing this straight faced and kind of like, no, we're really serious, then it gets a bit, grotty like you know you're yeah. kind of like lads relax and, you know? and and also I think the fact that when I said to you I really am liking the Sangre Sugabog album but do you reckon we could get an episode out of it and you kind of said to me you know you can use it as like just a place to actually talk about death metal and it's mm. place in modern music now and and I think it really Sangre, this Sangre Sugabog album is a perfect it was, it was a perfect way for us to, to actually discuss death metal and people's approach to it and adjust and like and it's t- what it means and lyrically and th- this uh, i really enjoyed like m- doing like a semi-album review and just kind of genre review almost of all of the al- not 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 the fucking technical differences or but how it's perceived by the kind of mainstream audience and shit and people in heavy music as well and especially this angle sugubag album like <laughs> this, this isn't competing to be like put next to fucking Tool Fear and Oculum, you know? This is competing to be the best album with horrible blast beats and riffs about murdering and torturing people. And you know what? Within its lane, it's fucking doing really well. It It really is. Yeah, it really is. Um, Yeah, so that's about it. I think that's been episode 42 of for the record we talked about Sangusugabag homicidal ecstasy so thank you very much for listening as always get involved on for the record pod on Facebook and Instagram this has been a blast my name is Sean Tierney he's Zach Buggy music is the best bye